Let me kick off the recording. There we go. Listen, I this whole show is about AI now because that's life. And you can just use AI to generate backgrounds if you don't like the green screen background you're using. That's what I was doing. <laughs> well, sometimes. I also used the, I think the Mario one was just one I grabbed. I don't yeah. think I well, used Then there that. was the penguin one, which I thought was pretty funny. That one was generated. That was oh not... no shit. Yeah, and it looked really good too. Yeah, it's like, damn, you nailed it. Yeah, did uh, you see? Um, actually, no, you probably didn't see because you don't care about such things. Um, Adobe released their Firefly as a preview, so the AI tools built right into uh, Photoshop. I don't use any of the Adobe products because I don't want to pay that ridiculous amount of money to them <laughs> for like one thing. <laughs> I can't justify it. Um, However, Canva is what I use for a lot of my editing and like graphics and whatnot. And they have also integrated a image generator directly inside the, the app. So I can just generate an image and give it a description and exact dimensions and all that. And it will do it for me. So that's what I've been using for the thumbnails for the episodes too. Oh shit. That's not supposed to be on camera. <laughs> You're not supposed to know what my fidget toy is. Oh, oh, you have a fidget? Yeah, I've had it since grad school, actually. Oh, wow. So, like, you know, last year? <laughs> if only. I don't know when you went to grad school. I didn't know you went to grad school. Congratulations. You're yes, you a did. Grad... Shut up. Okay, valid, valid point there. Um, yeah, so this is probably real interesting to listeners. Maybe we should... Did you just start the show now? Maybe, maybe we should. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. All right. Hello, Legend Human, and welcome to the Chaos Lever Podcast. My name is Ned, and I'm definitely not a robot. I am a real human person. I have legs and arms and a beating heart that's not made out of transistors and silicon and an electric pump that I found out in the backyard at all. I'm fine. I'm normal. With me is Chris, who is also normal? All right, so we're going to be lying to ourselves and others. I'm comfortable <laughs> with that. It's what I've done my entire life. I see no reason to stop now. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. We can just say that ChatGPT told us. That's true. And who knows if that's telling the truth ever. It no. doesn't even know. Once again, lying to itself and others. Love it. Wow, we came up with an episode title so early on. <laughs> that's really well done. That's I like feel like we should take the next hour off. That's fair. I'll take a nap. You do whatever it is that you do. And, I'm just going to uh, wander off. People can watch you sleep in an empty chair. <laughs> it's going to turn into an Andy Warhol experimental film. <laughs> uh, didn't he have one that was like 24 hours long? Yep. And I assume somebody watched some portion of it in the yep. theater. With yeah, I was actually at the... Some amount of drugs. I, was, I don't know what you could possibly mean. Um, I was actually at the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. Hmm. And um, they had some of the movies showing like basically on a continuous loop in one of the rooms. And uh, yeah, they're just as boring as I remember. Well, that's important good. lesson, though. Not all hmm. experiments work. <laughs> well, that's the nature of experiments, right? That's right. why we call them experiments. More importantly, did you go to the ketchup museum? No. I feel like you really missed out on an opportunity there. Well, so... I thought about it, but then I had learned that, you know, the famous thing is Heinz 57, right? Yes. 
Do you know what the 57 means? Absolutely nothing. Correct. <laughs> they, they just they, made it up because it sounded good. Honestly, so uh, to get completely off topic, as is tradition, get. Uh, I listened to a whole um, secretly incredibly fascinating about ketchup. And one of the things they talked about is how Heinz was actually a master market marketeer. Uh-huh. In fact, the reason the ketchup bottle is clear is to show how evenly blended and safe it is to consume because other ketchup products would separate and also spoil. So by putting it in a clear bottle, he was going, look how good my ketchup looks. Right. And yeah, Heinz pretty much corners the market across the entire world in ketchup and some other condiments. So good for them, I guess. And it is, in fact, still the deliciousest. You and my daughter would agree on that point. Well, there we are. I have I'm the not equivalent of an eight-year-old girl? Ten. Whatever. Around it. Around I'm it. not saying I've had to like bring ketchup packets with us to places because they don't have Heinz, but I'm not not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about AI. I Woo. can't wait. So we are going to talk about Microsoft Build, Red Hat Summit, and Dell Technology summit center week cloud i don't know extravaganza sure (laughs) and if you're tired about hearing about ai too bad (laughs) last week cowboy i know right last week played host to three major tech conferences and guess what ai was top of mind for all of them we for better or for worse probably worse 2023 is going to be defined as the year of ai And I suppose we need to embrace it rather than run screaming into a cave where I will live happily for the next 30 years, subsisting on a diet of newts, dirt, and anxiety. High in fiber. High in fiber, really. Anxiety really helps you go, I guess is what I'm saying. It's not not good in a cave. (laughs) I should all... Come on, come on, come on. It's a family show. No, it's not. Oh, what was that? Okay, yes. So, AI is the main byline for Microsoft Build, Red Hat Summit, and Dell Technology World, not extravaganza. That's, I think my title is better. It's definitely better. Let's. I, I'm going to write them uh, an angry email, but I'm going to have ChatGPT compose it for me because I ain't Perfect. got time for that. Yeah. So all of those happened last week. I thought we could dig into the announcements a bit and figure out what's actually happening. I can't we'll wait. Start yeah, we'll start with Red Hat Summit. Did you follow any of the Red Hat Summit? I know you're a Red Hatter sometimes. Um, no, but I meant to. I'm so, so disappointed. There's that. Me. I'm actually going to Boston this week, which is funny because it was in Boston. <laughs> yeah, just a week. just missed it. Um, but okay, in case you forgot, Red Hat Summit is hosted by Red Hat, which is now owned by IBM for at least the last four years. I think that was 2019 like is that. when they closed, yeah. right, right around there. Now, IBM has had an AI for years named Watson. After what I can only assume is the eponymous Dr. Watson from Sherlock Holmes. Honestly, I, I can't be bothered to look it up, and neither should you. Dr. Watson was a famously competent doctor and a pretty incompetent detective, so why IBM would choose Watson over... Sherlock or Holmes is an open question and a little bit telling. 
Do you happen to know the story off the top of your head, Chris? I mean, in general, they picked Watson because it sounded better. Sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. So don't think about it too hard, I guess, is the, wow, it's another episode title. Um, so IBM's Watson, we all know, is famous for playing Jeopardy pretty well and cooking pretty badly poorly yeah (laughs) seriously there's a whole watson recipe book you can go look it up fortunately they hired actual chefs to vet the recipes and maybe that's a recurring theme with all of ai you need actual professionals to look at what the ai is doing yeah i feel like that's going to be a um what's the word recurring theme yes indeed so ibm had their big event the think event earlier this year and they created a new brand called Watson X, all lowercase, no spaces. (sighs) (laughs) It's going to be okay. It is not the same thing as Watson with a capital W, something I'm sure will not be confusing to anyone immediately. Like, how are we supposed to pronounce that? Watsonks? Sure. That's more of a visual joke. You have to sort of look at it to see why that's so funny. Sure. I will say that branding has never been IBM's strong suit, although they are very particular about the use of full product names in all documentation and write-ups. Ask me how I know or don't. Probably don't. I mean, all you have to do is read any of their red books and see why they're 700 pages long. Right, because each product has at least eight words in it, and it has to be written out in full every Every time time. it's mentioned. (laughs) <laughs> you cannot shorten it in any way. That's I found out very quickly. And everyone at Red Hat also found out. <sighs> Make your product name shorter, people. I guess that's what I'm saying. So the announcement of the Watson X product line. Also, uh, Red Hat took that ball and ran with it. Their big announcement at the Red Hat Summit was Ansible Lightspeed, which is an extension to Ansible that Reverend that leverages an LLM trained on Ansible code to assist with the creation of Ansible playbooks using Watson Code Assistant, which is the name of a product. And yes, it's a capital W for those playing at home. And I have no idea if Watson X is involved. Great. Yep. I think they're doing a real good job differentiating. (laughs) It's really helping everyone. (sighs) So I personally dabbled in Ansible from time to time. I never thought the language was particularly cumbersome or difficult to program in, aside from the fact that it's YAML, and YAML is the devil, and deserves to die a thousand horrible deaths. Uh, Maybe I don't love it then. I guess that's what I'm saying. But do you like it, or do you like it like it? I I like it like it. (laughs) Have you used Ansible uh, in the past, and what are your feelings, Chris? Um, So when it came to orchestration tools like this i started my career with puppet much like i think pretty much everyone on earth it seems that way that or chef yeah yeah and then i was like well ansible came out but this is dumb puppet can do everything i wanted to do then i used (laughs) ansible and i was like well puppet's dumb ansible can do everything i want it to do i mean i remember the major thing that i liked about ansible versus puppet was the fact that ansible required no agent right on the target devices which yeah, many could early, early on it was limited, but as they right. started adding more and more features, it I think I'm pretty sure that it now blows away Puppet when it comes to the feature comparisons. 
I would say so, though Puppet then introduced their own agentless version of Puppet uh, that was called like Bolt or something like that. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. No one else is either. <laughs> but yeah, the thing I liked about Ansible was no agent and also meant that you could manage network devices with it because yep. putting an agent on a network device isn't really a thing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not the sort of thing you should be able to do. Generally not, unless yeah. you're the NSA. <laughs> So, yeah red hat in their announcement of lightspeed made it clear that the model that sits behind lightspeed was trained specifically on ansible best practices and known good playbooks this is not like a generalized model that's ingested all of reddit and stack overflow instead it's laser focused on helping to generate playbooks and using the best practices out there to do so and this is a key point. It will provide references back to the code it is using to build the playbooks on your behalf. Yeah. So this is kind good. of, a, yeah. as we've discussed before on the show, this is exactly the type of scenario where GPT and LLM can produce useful results for specialized industries, whether it's medicine, law, or code, training the model on known good sources that's known good sources and providing references is key. So Lightspeed is entering a private preview phase at the moment, and we'll link the signup page if you want to throw your hat in the ring and try to be a tester for it. Seems there was, good, yeah, I mean, I think this is probably something we're going to see for every DSL that's out there. Every domain-specific language is something like this to help writing specifically for that language right and especially since it's coming from the source you know red mm -hmm. hat owns ansible they're going to know pretty well where the best examples of ansibling are yeah i mean there's an online repository of playbooks that you can reference and i'm assuming they're taking the ones that have the most stars or whatever and <laughs> using <laughs> i don't know what they use on there stars votes and, you know, analyze them and then feed them into this engine. Right. But yeah, by keeping it narrow, by using really well-vetted sources, again, vetted by people, <laughs> you're going to get a This is the best case scenario for this type of thing. Yeah. Because like you said, one of the biggest problems with Ansible and Ansible-like tools is having to deal with YAML. Yes. So and... having a tool that can help you build out 95% of the structure in what I can only assume will be perfect YAML, it's going to make a lot of people's lives a lot easier. One would hope. And there's a really good blog post I'll have to dig up that details why YAML is so difficult, even though it's supposed to just be like JSON plus. It's, it's a disaster. More like JSON minus minus, am I right? <laughs> what if you write that on Notepad++? Do you get code zero? Yeah, I think they cancel each other out. Okay, excellent. The other AI-related announcement was tied to what is probably Red Hat's biggest product push, which is OpenShift. Boy, they love some OpenShift. Previously, they had an extension to OpenShift called OpenShift Data Science. You can probably figure out what that included. That is being folded into their new product category called Red Hat OpenShift AI. Ooh. So rather than providing an AI service for consumption by enterprises, OpenShift AI is meant to help those enterprises develop their own AI services 
by providing the backend services that monitor, monitor, manage, and maintain ML models in a Kubernetes environment. I was trying to figure out if there's anything actually new here or if it was simply a rebranding of their data science package to take advantage of the AI hype train. Who, who... Can I guess? Uh, yeah, go ahead. I think it's going to be that second one. Yeah, you're right. I looked <laughs> through the documentation and it looks like they just did a find and replace, more or less. So those, those are the two big AI things that came out of Red Hat Summit. Let's turn our attention now to Microsoft Build. I think you can guess because Microsoft is a major investor in OpenAI, it should be no surprise that AI was splashed all over every product in Microsoft's portfolio. And I mean all of them. Oh, yeah. They've, I mean, they've been telegraphing that for months. Yes. The scope and scale of it was still a little bit surprising. Like it is just in every nook and cranny. It's like bringing home sand from the beach. You know, it's just going to get everywhere. So we've got Office, Windows, Azure, Teams, Edge. They're all getting more AI in the form of their Copilot brand. So we talked about branding earlier, and I know Microsoft also doesn't always hit it out of the park when it comes to branding. But I think in the case of Copilot, they did a great job. It's friendlier than some potential other options. It's much better than Edge, which always makes me wonder, edge of what? What, what am I on the edge of? And then there was their previous AI assistant. Wow, I really need to put giant air quotes on that. AI assistant Cortana, which like maybe don't name your virtual assistant after an AI from a video game where it ends up being the villain. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see that. Cortana. <laughs> yeah, the, the big boss is Cortana. Although, I mean, to be fair, you would have to go through all of the others. Like Siri feels like a level three villain. <laughs> but Siri wasn't taken directly from a video game. I don't sure. know where they got Siri. Cortana's from Halo, which I barely played, but I, I understand oh, wait, that really? Cortana's. Yeah. Ha! I guess I didn't play as much Halo as I thought I did. I guess you didn't. Good for anyway. <laughs> Apparently in Halo 4 or something, she becomes a big baddie. Ah. Yeah. And I learned something today. TM. So let's start our Copilot tour with Windows itself. Windows 11 is going to get Copilot added directly into the taskbar, whether you want it or not. Pretty much. So it's going to be there. If you click on it, it will launch a sidebar to the right or the left or the top, you know, wherever you want it, where you can interact with Copilot, asking questions, telling it to rewrite some text, uh, interacting with other apps that are running Windows, etc. Based on what they showed in the demos, this is little more than an Edge Copilot extension. I was just going to say, that sounds real familiar. <laughs> yeah, but you don't actually have to launch Edge. Got is it. it using an Edge process in the background? Maybe, I guess we'll see and find out. But it wouldn't be the first time that Microsoft has had repurposed one of their existing applications to run in the guise of something else, let's say. Microsoft is planning to start rolling Copilot for Windows out to Windows Insiders in the next month or so. So early June, some people should start seeing it if they're part of that insider program. And then they'll graduate it to a full deployment once they think it is ready, which is as soon as possible. Right. Like July. Like, yeah, pretty much. 
Microsoft 365, which is the new umbrella term for all their Office products and other ancillary things, is also getting more, co more Copilot, this time in the form of plugins. And Build is a developer conference after all, so this announcement is aimed at those folks who want to develop a plugin that leverages OpenAI, Bing Chat, or ChatGPT. So what Microsoft introduced was a common framework for plugin development that was originally established by OpenAI, but they're adopting it for all of their different products. So your plugin can work seamlessly across Teams, Office, Power Apps, Edge, et cetera. Same code, same framework, different, different applications. That should make it a lot easier for developers to write a single plugin and make it available across multiple products. So... In one demo, they were using Copilot in Word to write a legal document. That's it's a dicey proposition, I know. During the writing process, they invoked two different plugins from different law software packages to help align the document with California legal codes. The plugins not only helped rewrite the document, they also provided the relevant reference material that the text was based on. And once again, that is going to be key with any of these applications, citing your sources. Also key is making sure those sources, A, exist, and B, <laughs> are valid. An AI that hallucinates a California law making it legal to sell crack to toddlers on alternate Wednesdays is probably bad? Going with bad. Not it would good. also be... Yeah, no, it would also be bad to reference a legal decision that was overturned like 20 years ago, as if that was the current law. Right. More realistic example. Yeah, and that's, again, that's where the focus matters. Mm -hmm. So the idea is you can rely on these legal software packages that already exist out there that do something like this to write a plugin that just takes the existing corpus of knowledge that they have and puts it in a format that can work with... AI and Microsoft Word. I'm guessing making it work with Microsoft Word is the harder part. Probably. Because <laughs> no one likes working with Microsoft Word. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, the little that I know about lawyers and, and like paralegal work and all that stuff is they generally don't use Word. Really? They use those software packages that you were talking about before, builds out a template based on, you know, old, old examples Right. You change a couple of things here and there, and then you PDF it, and that's how you get it sent around. Right. So yeah. I wonder if this is a way for Microsoft to kind of extend their reach a little bit into an area that they might not have had exposure to for office workers in the legal field. Certainly could be. I know once it's a formalized document, PDF is the way that they tend to pass that around or put it into something like eSign, some eSign app to make sure yeah, that but even everybody... then, it's, the base document is still a PDF. Absolutely. Right. So in theory, people can't alter it, or at least they have to try fairly right. hard. So that that is the Microsoft 365. Again, all of those plugins and updates will be coming at some point. The last one is Microsoft Azure, and that is also getting the AI treatment, but not in like the interface or anything. <clears throat> this is similar to what OpenShift AI is doing. So there's a new service called Azure Open AI and it is focused on developers who want to build their own AI solutions while leveraging the power of OpenAI's technology. 
Now, you know, if you're a builder, you might feel a little nervous about taking all of your precious data and dumping it into open an open AI service. Microsoft has made it clear that your corporate data that you put into that is not being merged into any larger models like ChatGPT and that you maintain control over the models you generate inside of the open AI service. Right. Yeah, that's going to be really important for any regulated industries that want to take advantage of the open AI service, but are also a little squirrely about the information that they plug in. Right. The point is that whatever any users put into the service needs to maintain, they need to maintain confidentiality. They mean maintain, you know, uh, records of who said what, make sure that they can prove that it didn't go anywhere. Right. And this gets back to a point that we raised last week around the fact that end users are going to be demanding this as this rolls out to their personal de devices and they see what they can do with chat GPT and similar solutions. They're going to demand this also exist in their work environments. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be table stakes. Right. And if you want to get to cut off at the pass, what did I call it last week? Instead of shadow IT, shadow GPT. <laughs> if you want to cut that off at the pass, you need to offer a service, but one that has your data held in a private way. And so this is one example of how you could do that. Yeah, and one thing that I did see about this, um, in addition to using the service to train your own models, I believe they're going to make like a catalog of previously trained models available to you for use. Right. So you have a starting point that you exactly. can use for your model. You're not just going with carte blanche, which is sort of, that's the open AI benefit there. You're not just leveraging right. their technology, you're leveraging existing models. Yep. Yeah. The other thing they've added is a content safety service that is intended to detect things like hate speech, violent content, stuff that's not safe for work, Contain. perhaps, content, <laughs> and uh, it can detect it both in text and images. That is better than having some poor human being paid pennies on the dollar to traumatize themselves for 10 hours a day, which is a real thing that Facebook is doing right now. <sighs> Not something we need to get into. Just thought I'd mention it. That's fair. Facebook is still garbage. So all of the sessions and demos from Build are available for free right now. You can go watch them all if you're interested. Or you could just watch a keynote summarization video that condenses three hours into 10 minutes. That's my recommendation. And I, I think mean, you would gadget for your service. Three hours is still not bad. Uh, you know, RSA did 30 keynotes as we remember so right i think there were other keynotes but the real keynote on day one was about three hours long got it and that had all the big announcements in it so you could watch that on like one and a half speed or seriously that 10 minute video really does summarize it quite well <laughs> maybe they used ai to do that think about it anyway last up is dell technology world and you might be thinking to yourself self where did I put those coupons I got last night from Ground Round? And the answer is, you left them in your pants, which are in the dryer now, and your dreams of a discount meal are now a pulpy ball of sadness, which is just as edible as the Ground Round fare. Ah! Yeah, Bert. Ha! Take that, Ground Round. I'm not even sure that Ground Round is still a going concern. <laughs> it's always a going concern for me. Anyway. Childhood trauma aside, what about Dell? What the hell do they have to do with AI? Well, they sell hardware, 
And last I checked, hardware is required for AI somewhere. So everyone has to, the other answer is everyone has to put AI in their keynote, regardless of what the company does. So Dell also has to. Fair. It, yeah. I mean, if you happen to be the CEO for a large ball bearing conglomerate, you better bet that the keynote at your annual ball bearing conference, BallCon 2023, will feature AI in some capacity for the smoothest, roundest, shiniest balls you've ever seen. We applied AI and machine learning too. In this essay, I will, etc. You get the idea. You had way too much fun with that, didn't you? I felt it felt good this morning when I was hopped up on too much caffeine. Okay, so what is Dell doing? Chris, quick. What's the first company you think of when somebody says AI hardware? Uh, Ace is the place for the helpful hardware folks. God damn it. Me too. And I do <laughs> need some mulch. Anyway, uh, it's not HAL 9000. It's NVIDIA. And sure enough, Dell and NVIDIA are collaborating on Project Helix. It's a program to help enterprise customers deploy on-premises generative AI systems and solutions, which basically means it's a set of validated hardware solutions that use Dell and NVIDIA components that you can buy from your local VAR in July of 2023. Hooray. Now, in theory, the system includes management software to help with the lifecycle management of AI workloads. In reality, it's probably a poorly cobbled together set of bash scripts and janky UI that is barely functional. At least that's how these product offerings tend to begin life, especially when they're hastily thrown together, as I'm sure is the case. Now, is that fair? Is it actually going to be written in bash? <laughs> no, it's probably in Perl. Perl 4, just to upset everybody. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, there's Pearl. There's more than one way to do it, and they're all terrible. Anyway, I probably just angered someone a lot with that one. Dell, uh, they've had some pretty interesting, they had some pretty interesting offerings announced the technology world that were not specific to AI in particular. They're offering a new hardware managed solution called Dell Apex, which follows in the footsteps of HPE and their Green Lake, Green Lake Esmeral product. Not Emerald, Esmeral, which is like... Is it a bad guy like... from the Smurfs? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. He hung out with Gargamel. That's they, the one, they... yeah. Oh. Like his annoying roommate that never paid the bills on time. Never did, but he was really good at making flapjacks, so they kept him around. You know how it is. You need your pancakes in the morning. It's fair. Yeah. So basically, Apex is a consumption-based hardware solution delivered on demand that can be flexible in scale as long as that scale is up right <laughs> yeah i mean it's the same as like you said it's the same as Greenlight, where it's just infrastructure literally infrastructure as a service right uh, and it can come with pre-packaged software solutions like azure stack vmware or red hat openshift all of which will allow you to deploy AI on-prem if that kind of thing is important to you, which for some industries it might be. Especially going forward for like the next year and a half. Because mm -hmm. like you said, AI is the new hotness. Indeed. So and everybody's going to rush to try to put something on the floor. Right. 
And there's going to be a lot of companies, especially in the regulated space, that don't trust a cloud provider to do it. Right. So that's it. Three major events all in one week, all with AI headlines to titillate and tease. Now, is any of it actually relevant or is it all just AI smoke and mirrors? Well, in terms of real products that you can use today, Microsoft and Red Hat have something brewing. Microsoft's already added their AI component, their co-pilot component to the browser and Bing, but it's now coming to everything else. Uh, Red Hat's Ansible Lightspeed, that's not going to be publicly consumable for at least six months, if I had to guess. But Microsoft stuff is happening today. And since a lot of it can just be updated on the fly, you'll probably see it appear rapidly over the next two or three months. As I mentioned, Edge already has it. And I'm imagining Copilot is going to appear in the Office web apps first, followed by the thick clients immediately afterwards. As a final thought, AI is going to rapidly become ubiquitous across all of our personal and business lives. For IT departments, compliance groups, and anyone who's trying to block these features, good luck. <laughs> Whether we're ready or not, AI is a tidal wave about to absorb us all. And I have to admit, I'm more than a little concerned about it. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yes, what, what damage has a tsunami ever done? Really, it helps clean the beach. <laughs> Yes. If you think about it. Think about it. Lightning round? Lightning round. Massive data leak shows Teslas are way more dangerous than even I thought. Ooh. This just in from the God, I hate being right all the time department. <laughs> Teslas are like super dangerous. The company knows about it and doesn't seem to care. A whistleblower within Tesla leaked approximately 100 gigabytes of internal company data related to customer complaints over the period of 2000 to 2022. And boy, howdy. It does not make the old Musker's absentee frat boy landlord style of leadership look good. Mm. Now, 100 gigs is a lot, and not everything has been combed through. But so far, the so-called Tesla files contain more than 2,400 self-acceleration complaints, meaning the car go faster without you doing anything, hmm. 1,500 braking function problems, meaning cargo stop. <laughs> when you don't want it to. Totaling around 1,000 crashes. Okay. The leaked files also show that Tesla directs its employees to only communicate verbally about complaints, so as not to leave any written documentation behind. Cool, 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 yeah. The incidents all relate to the helpful automatic systems that make the car <laughs> mover stop without the driver pressing the pedals. It's cool, though. They're all still in beta. We'll figure it out. That's great. On top of this, things keep looking worse for Tesla corporate as this report comes fast on the heels of another report that shows Tesla intentionally miscategorizing employee injury events in their factories in order to keep the reported numbers low. Cool. Cool. Windows XP activation algorithm cracked. For those godless souls who still need to run Windows XP, there's little doubt that Windows XP is the greatest Windows operating system of all time. 
XP service pack three for life. Yeah. That iconic image of rolling green hills and a cloud-scudded blue sky evoke a sense of peace and comfort for a certain generation of tech worker, and I am very much in that generation. So old. Shut up. <laughs> Windows XP also introduced an activation scheme that countless hackers and small businesses found their way around. For instance, I quickly discovered that you could call the activation hotline and claim that the motherboard had been replaced on your system and get a reactivation key for free. Whee! But the actual algorithm that generated the activation codes had remained uncracked until recently. A blog called tinyapps.org has a blog post that details a tool called XP Activate 32 that will generate valid keys based off the code you would use for phone activation. The keys are valid not just to the local system, but also to Microsoft servers, which may or may not still be online. So if you're in a position where you must run XP or simply want to for pure nostalgia, first of all, don't. There's other ways. But second of all, you can now run it with a valid key. Me, I'll just stare at the default desktop some more and dream of simpler times. When I was a young warthog. Not doing it again. Okay. Microsoft makes Azure Linux generally available. Microsoft loves Linux. Mm. And this time, they're proving it by releasing a, quote, very opinionated open source distribution of Linux. Mm. The opinionated part of the distro has everything to do with Azure baked specifically into it to benefit those workloads on Azure and even more specifically are workloads running containers on Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. As such, the default deployment is sufficiently tiny, 400 megabytes as a base install, but of course can be customized for whatever your workload requires. The project has been in development for at least two years and in public preview since last October, but now it's official you can run a Linux that's designed exactly for the Azure environment, just like you always wanted. They really know my heart. <laughs> Mandatory 2FA coming to PyPI maintainers. We've discussed the importance of a secure software supply chain in the past, see our episode covering S-bombs, and a critical component of the software supply chain is the libraries and modules used by programming languages like Python and Node.js. Two of the biggest open source repositories of such libraries, NPM and PyPackageIndex, or PyPI, have been the target of multiple account takeover attacks to inject malicious software into commonly used packages. In an effort to combat such behavior, PyPI is making two-factor authentication mandatory for any account that maintains a project on the platform. Frankly, it's shocking that this wasn't already the policy, but I suppose late is better than never. GitHub is also in the process of requiring two-factor for all users on the platform after slowly making it mandatory for the top NPM projects. Honestly, PyPI should really make 2FA mandatory for all of its users and just be done with it, as should 99% of all platforms out there. Just 99? Well, you gotta account for at least one red balloon. Lawyer tries to use ChatGPT for legal filing. <laughs> Hilarity ensues. Picture the scene. Ah, ChatGPT. 
attorney Stephen Schwartz says to himself, that perfect and infallible helper that can literally be used for absolutely everything. I'm tight on time here. You know, I bet ChatGPT is the perfect tool for me to get some research done on this legal case. Oh, wow. That was fast. Now, I'm not going to be fooled again. Can I trust these results? I know. I'll ask ChatGPT. <laughs> End scene. Mm. Regular listeners of this show will probably know how that story ends. ChatGPT did return lots and lots of details for the filing that Schwartz put into some kind of court thing. I know how <laughs> laws work. Yes. ChatGPT showed precedents that were found in, quote, many legal reference databases. Turns out, though, um, at least six of the cases that ChatGPT came back with, how do I put this, um, didn't exist. Ah. As you can imagine, this did not go over well with the judge in the case. Shocking. It turns out just making shit up is not a good idea in court. The lawyers on the case now have a few weeks to think about what they did as they're due for a separate appearance appearance in front of the judge on June 8th to explain why they should not be disciplined. <laughs> Which, again, lawyers. not a law expert. That sounds like they're going to be in trouble. <laughs> it doesn't sound great. You're right. <laughs> All right. And finally, Cloud Field Day 17 is coming to Boston. And I'll be there. Friends of the show, Gestalt IT, will host Cloud Field Day 17 this week in Boston, Massachusetts on May 31st and June 1st. For those who are not familiar with Field Day events, it is a live-streamed event where several tech companies in the cloud space for this event present to a panel of 12 delegates. As the delegates, we get to interrupt them, ask questions, and be general nuisances while they valiantly try to get through their PowerPoints. Among the presenting companies are Rack N, Couchbase, Haiku, and Zerto. If you'd like to check it out, go to techfieldday.com and watch the live streams on LinkedIn. You can even ask questions through Twitter or LinkedIn, mostly LinkedIn, and we, the delegates, will ask the presenter for you. And hey, that's going to do it. That's another episode. Thanks for listening or something. I guess you found it worthwhile if you made it all the way to the end. And if you watched on YouTube, congratulations for watching our faces, I guess. No, sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Apologies, then. You did accomplish something today. Now you can go sit on the couch, twiddle your thumbs. I don't know. Go do something else. You've earned it. You can find me or Chris on Twitter at Ned1313 and at Hainer, respectively, or follow the show at Chaos underscore Lever if Twitter's the kind of thing you're still into. Show notes are available at ChaosLever.com if you like reading things. Also, our newsletter is there, and we have a LinkedIn page, so you can check that out, too, if you want all the Chaos Lever things all the time. We'll be back next week to see what fresh hell is upon us. Ta-ta for now. I have a lot of things to plug, don't I? It's getting excessive. I feel like I need a power strip or something. And get it? A new Zelda game came out two weeks ago. You got to get on that. I'm already playing it. <laughs> right now, this entire time. That explains why you were so distracted. <laughs> no, no, that's how I am every time. 